What's up, what's up, what's up, everybody? It's your boy Sopa, and welcome to the Black Lagoon. The Black Lagoon is a multiverse of epic adventures where I contain my original works of fiction. And today we're gonna continue to build upon the first story that I'm presenting to you all. Uh, you know, the story titled The End. Um, I'm, I'm very excited for this chapter, and it's gonna be a fun one, definitely. But before we get into that, I want to remind you all just, you know, to, to follow me on Instagram and Twitter at SOPA underscore worldwide to be updated on the most recent news um, about this podcast, um, about my other podcast with my best friend Angel titled Indigo Voices Podcast. And, you know, if you're interested in my work in myself, I think that would be the, the best way to be in touch with everything that's going on. Um, aside from that, I think that we should get our party started and let's continue our journey into, a lot of people like it when I say this, the lagoon. Hundreds of trees lined the highway on both sides, the color of Mike Wazowski. I try to focus on one tree at a time, but my uncle's driving causes my head to go from left to right repeatedly. Trees become a solid blur as we drive towards my aunt's house, kind of like if the hawk had super speed. It's an all-black Lincoln that smells of pure leather. Every time my uncle picks us up, I have to open the window, or the smell will cause me to barf. My mom sits in the passenger seat and talks the entire ride with my uncle Javier. Evelyn sits in the back seat with me, resting her big head on my left shoulder as she sleeps. I turn on my Game Boy and play some Pokemon to pass the time. My Chikorita is about to turn to a bay leaf with a few more levels, but to be honest, I don't want to evolve her. I want her to stay small like Pikachu does in the show. My mom turns around and tells me, look baby, we're going over the bridge now. I look out the window to the most exciting thing about this trip. Orchid City skyline grazes the sky above it. When I was younger, my mom would tell me people could reach heaven going up those skyscrapers. Uncle Javier would always respond to that by saying, with hard work, of course. Since he came from the Dominican Republic, he's been a taxi driver. I kind of get where he's coming from considering the countless hours he works. I kept looking over the bridge while they argued back then, just like I am right now. The water below is as blue as the sky. What I love most about this bridge is that the earth appears as if it were floating between two skies. With little effort, I feel as if I could fall into either sky and enter a world completely different from mine, but has been there the entire time. After the bridge through the city for no longer than three minutes, 
and we reach Aunt Madeline's building. Wake up, I shake Evelyn gently. She rubs her eyes. That was quick. I mean, you did fall asleep two minutes after we started driving back in Montavo. She smiles. Your shoulder was cozy. My mom opens the car door. Come on, kids. Your uncle has to get back to work. He turns around from the driver's seat, combing his thin, balding hair, and says through his thick mustache, Behave, kids. Alonzo's going to be happy to see you. Oh, and here you go so you could buy yourself something good. Evelyn and I grab $5 each. We say in a rehearsed jingle, Thank you, Tio Javier. He smiles and tells my mom, All right, Emma, I'll see you later. Everyone is outside on this hot summer day. The street pump shoots an endless cannon of water at about 10 kids who jump and laugh in and out of it. Their parents sit on long chairs in the sidewalk. Other kids, a little older, toss a football in the middle of the street. We walk towards the building's entrance where a group of five men say something to my mom. She completely ignores them and keeps walking. Evelyn and I hold each of her hands as we walk by her sides. One of the men blows out a cloud of smoke when we walk past the group. It smells like skunk, but not as bad as the ones in Montavo. While we go up the stairs to the apartment, I can still hear the group of men laughing. Aunt Madeline opens the door letting out the amazing smell of her cooking. She looks like my mom with the freckles on her cheeks, but only older. The wrinkles I've noticed last time I saw her around her eyes have spread all over her face, but I would never bring that up. Alonzo stands behind her, holding a deck of Yu-Gi-Oh cards. We go inside the small apartment, with curtains hanging on every doorway. My mom goes in the kitchen with Aunt Madeline, leaving Evelyn and I with Alonzo. Alonzo asks, So what do you guys want to do? I tell him, We could play Yu-Gi-Oh if you want. No way, Evelyn says. That's a little kid's game, and it's only for two players. You think you're all grown because you're 14? You're still only two years older than us, sis. Calm down. All right, guys. What we're not going to do is start fighting, Alonzo says while putting his cards away. Let's think of something together. Through the open living room window, we hear the kids playing in the street. The three of us look at each other and, without saying a word, start taking action. I walk towards the kitchen to make sure my mom and aunt were busy chatting up a storm. I move silently against the wall. When I reach the kitchen entrance, I overhear my mom crying to my aunt. I miss him, Madeline, that bastard. Things could have been so much better if he was loyal. Emma, it's okay. You have your family to support you. We're here for you. Alonzo whispers, hurry up, man. With one foot out the window and on the fire escape, Evelyn had turned on the TV, put on Disney Channel, and cranked the volume to maximum. She says, Don't stay behind, little chicken, before jumping into the fire escape after Alonzo. My heart races. Right when I take my first step towards the window, I hear my aunt say, Hold on, let me check on the kids. Oh crap, what should I do? Alonzo and Evelyn are already halfway down the ladder and about to land on the sidewalk. If I go after them, we'll all be in big trouble. But if I stay here, they'll never speak to me again for being a wuss. I walk in the kitchen before Aunt Madeline comes out. 
My mom dries her tears in a hurry and asks, Are you having fun with Alonzo? Yeah, mom. Everything is great. Why are you crying, though? Aunt Madeline turns around to tend to the pots on the stove. It's a grown-up thing, baby. I'll tell you when you're older. She gives me a hug. I ask, are you okay? She's okay, Aunt Madeline says. She's here with us, and we are making things better. My mom nods at me with glossy, watery eyes. I feel tears building up in me, but before they could come out, we hear a loud thud coming from the living room. What was that? My aunt shrugs her eyebrows, deepening those wrinkles I mentioned before. All three of us rush to the living room and find Alonzo and Evelyn sitting on the floor talking. What was that noise? My mom looks at Evelyn. Alonzo tells her, It came from the street, Thea. I don't know what it was. Aunt Madeline sticks her head out the window and speaks to some of the people outside. She comes back from the window and tells my mom, Come back to the kitchen, girl. They said everything is okay outside. Those people are always making noises. My mom looks over at Evelyn before following Aunt Madeline to the kitchen and says, Behave and take care of these two while pointing to Alonzo and me. As soon as they enter the kitchen, Alonzo and Evelyn start laughing quietly. They tell each other to shut up while continuing to laugh and attempting to hold each other back. I notice Alonzo rubbing the side of his thigh. What happened to you? I felt coming in through the window. That was the noise you guys heard from the kitchen. When he says this, Evelyn breaks into another long laugh. When she finally manages to control herself, she says to me, you're such a little mama's boy for staying inside. I'm the reason you guys didn't get in trouble. You should be thanking me. Yeah, right. You stayed inside because you're a chicken. She gets up to lower the TV a little. Whatever. I don't care. What did you do outside anyway? Nothing. Alonzo introduced me to his friend and that's it. She winks at Alonzo. We came back up because we thought you told on us. Alonzo stands up. Chill, Evelyn. Leave him alone. From the kitchen, we hear, Kids, the food is ready. Come and eat. The three of us file in the kitchen. We grab our plates and fill them with rice and pollo guisado. Not too long after the food, Aunt Madeline gave us each a little bowl of habichuelas con dulce. We continued to play, argue, and watch TV the rest of the afternoon until it was time to go. Uncle Javier couldn't drive us back to Montavo because he was working far from the house, so he called the taxi to give us a lift. My mom, Evelyn, and I said our goodbyes to Aunt Madeline and Alonzo. In another black Lincoln, we rode towards Montavo, while the sun sunk into the greens of the mountains. As we approached the town, we noticed smoke lifting into the star-filled sky. The smell of char enters the taxi, through the rolled-down windows, causing our nostrils to widen and our hearts to worry. The driver takes our exit, revealing the blaze. The town within the mountains has been ignited by its own people. Heat from the fires force its way into the Lincoln. People run wildly in the streets, wearing cloth around their faces. My mom yells at us to roll up our windows. A building ignites in flames, causing people to run carelessly in front of the taxi. 
The driver stops the car and says, I cannot continue. I have to leave you here. My mom desperately tells him, our house is only three blocks around the corner. Please, you can't leave us here. I have children with me. From the sidewalk, a man dressed in black wears a skull mask. He has a hoodie over his head, so there's no way for me to recognize him. He looks right at the taxi while holding a bottle that has a rag sticking out of it. While my mom argues with the taxi driver and Evelyn cries into my mom's lap, the man lights the rag on fire. He points right at me and throws the bottle at the taxi. The crystal bottle shatters on the taxi's windshield, spreading the fire in the front of the car. The scorch caused us to scream in terror. The driver jumps out of the car and runs off into the night, away from the burning Montalvo. My mom pulls me by the back of my shirt out of the taxi that's now engulfed in flames. Amid all of the chaos, I look around for the man in the skull mask, but he seems to have also run off. My mom calls out my name and tells me to hurry, which I managed to hear through all of the commotion. Two people covered in black clothing from head to toe stop us as we rush to our house. My mom pushes Evelyn and I behind her and pleads to the people not to hurt us. The two uncover their faces, revealing to be my mom's best friends, Angela and David. They hold flyers and posters by their sides. I try to read what they say, but I only manage to see the phrase, break down the power, Montavo for all, in bright red letters. Angela tells my mom, the protest got out of hand. We need to get the kids out of the street. David cuts her off. This is what we needed. This is the only way they could listen to us. I need to get my kids home. They need safety. My mom grips my shoulder. Emma, the rioters have set fire to your building. You can't go there. Angela tries to hold back my mom, but she shakes her off, running to the building and pulling Evelyn and I by our hands. We maneuver through the garbage in the street, cars abandoned in the middle of the lawns and sidewalks, and people running in all directions. My hand begins to sweat, and before I could gain a grip on my mom, my hand slips out of hers. She looks back and tells me to hurry as she continues to run. I try to keep up, but it seems as though the harder I try, the more distance between us there is. Across the street, I notice the man with a skull mask. When he sees me, he starts running after me. He yells out, what's wrong? There's nothing to be afraid of. My mom and Evelyn have turned the corner and are probably already at the building. I look back to see if the man has gained any distance on me. He's closer than he was a second ago, and it looks like he's getting even closer. I turn the corner to see my building up in flames and my mom and sister are not in sight. My street is filled with dozens of people in all black wearing skull masks who focus on me when I turn the corner. I run the opposite direction, and they all begin to chase me while yelling. There's nowhere to run, little boy. Your mommy isn't here to save you. A bang goes off behind me, and a car's window shatters next to me. They've begun shooting at me. I yell out for the police or anyone who could save me. Did these people kill my mother and sister? Where am I going? I'm exhausted from running, but the adrenaline pushes me over my limits. Houses burn on both sides of the street. The skulls keep chasing me, 
and I know my life is over. A gunshot goes off behind me, silencing the uproar in all of Montalvo. I feel a sharp pinch in the middle of my back. My adrenaline carries me for a handful of more strides, but then I collapse. Coldness spreads like wildfire. I haven't felt this cold since that time I ate a strawberry shortcake ice cream bar from the Mr. Softy truck too fast. My shirt is soaked in a blend of sweat and blood. A group of people surround me. Among them, I can see a few skull masks hidden within the group. Help. I build up to say, but no one approaches me. Please, I'm dying. Help me. A boy breaks out of the crowd that surrounds me. He seems like the only one who can hear me. Unlike the rest of the people who wear all black, this boy has a white t-shirt and gold necklace with an angel pendant. He looks younger than I do. I'd say he's around seven or eight years old. Get help. I reach my hand out to him. He catches my hand before it falls lifeless on the ground. His touch is warm. I look up at this young boy's face, fading in and out of life. He looks familiar, even though I've never seen him before. I suddenly feel love towards this boy and the need to care for him. I look at his eyes and feel a deep sadness within them. I panic and gasp for air when I see his most shocking feature, the bullet hole in the middle of his forehead. The boy speaks, your time has yet to come. There is much you have left to do, Silvio. I try to respond, but the boy gestures to relax. Now rise, he says. And the world around me melts away. I'm left with a brief moment of silence, an eerie feeling really. It's frightening being all alone. My own imagination works a double to make my life, I mean my death, a complete misery. Luckily, I begin to hear a voice calling from a distance. Without a sense of direction, I float towards it, and it gets louder. Who is that? Who keeps calling my name? Mr. Sanchez, Mr. Sanchez, can you hear me? I struggle to break out. My time has yet to come. The boy said I have much left to do. My eyes open with the little energy I have. A doctor leans over the bed. Behind him, monitors beep beside yellow flowers and a balloon that says, get well soon. I'm the weakest I've ever been laying on this hospital bed. At least it's kind of comfortable. I thought they killed me. I thought it was all over when the skulls shot me. But it was all a dream. I should be happy to know none of what I had just experienced was real. But I feel like it was a way to prepare me for the troubles ahead. The doctor asked me while checking the monitor. How are you feeling? I feel like I can't even move, doc. Do you know where you are? I look out the window and see the Montavo Mountains. This looked like the holy name hospital in Montavo. That's right. You've been out since yesterday. Do you remember what happened? I got struck by lightning at that park. Oh shit, Remy, where's Remy? 
Calm down, Mr. Sanchez. You still need to rest. Your friend Remy is right outside this room with the rest of your family. They've been here all night. I'll let them in right after I finish here. She continues to ask me questions and writes on a clipboard after every answer I give. Her white coat has the Montavo Phantom pin on the chest pocket where she keeps her pens clipped. I asked if she follows the local sports teams. She said she graduated many years ago but wouldn't tell me the year because it might give away her age. I'm laughing it off when Alonzo bursts into the room, trailing him as Evelyn, who blurts out, My baby brother! when she sees me. Olivia walks in after her, and my pain weirdly is non-existent. Remy is the last one to come into the room. He has bandages wrapped around his head and left arm. Their eyes are all swollen from crying until they couldn't find tears to shed anymore. I sit up on the bed, feeling a sharp pain on my back. What happened, guys? You all look like you've been through hell. We've been worried about you, asshole. Evelyn wipes her tears away. Alonzo puts his hand on the bed. How are you? I ran over here as soon as I heard. I'm okay. Just a little sore and super confused. Olivia walks up to me and gently brushes her hand across my cheek. I'm glad you're feeling better, handsome. But what are you confused about? I had this dream where Evelyn and I were young again and were with mommy. Then Montavo was burning and some rioters shot me, but I... I didn't die. This little boy with a bullet hole on his forehead kind of saved me. Alonzo looks at the IV bags and jokes. You sure you okay? These drugs they giving you might be a little too strong. Evelyn asks me, did I end up okay though? That's not the point, sis. She starts writing on her phone to our mom while telling me, you know dreams are filled with clues and symbols. I have to tell mommy about this. Maybe she knows what's going on. Alonzo sarcastically interrupts her. Oh, okay. I didn't know we were bringing all that hocus-pocus into our generation. Evelyn, let me do you a favor and tell you the Catholic Church saved me. I'm actually not gay anymore. Alonzo and I break into a laugh. Olivia even chuckles a little but tries to hide it under a cute smile to not offend Evelyn. Evelyn rolls her eyes and continues to write her text to our mom. Remy tells me how glad he is to know I'm doing good. He leaves the room to go to the restroom. I'm so happy everyone is here for me. The doctor tells me that they'll be monitoring me for a few more hours until I'm well enough to go home. Alonzo tells me that I was found by Remy at the old abandoned church a few blocks from the park. He called the ambulance and we were brought to the hospital. I tell him I saw the spirit of my dad and he tried another joke about Dominican traditions and seeing ghosts, but was frozen when I gave him the whole story. Evelyn and Olivia are also pretty shaken up now. I tell them it was probably a shock, no pun intended, from the lightning and everything that was going on. A few minutes pass as we talk about it all, and Remy still hasn't returned from the restroom. I look through the door's glass window and see Remy speaking with a man who's probably around our age. The guy wears a flat cap and a brown suit, though. He seems out of place, to be honest. His style is like from the 50s or something. I ask Alonzo, Evelyn, and Olivia, yo, who's that guy Remy's talking to? They all look and Olivia says, what guy? Remy's by himself. Alonzo and Evelyn give each other worried look. Evelyn says, lay back. You might still need some rest. You literally got struck by lightning. Olivia brushes my hair. Yeah, my love, lay down. I'm right here with you. Don't worry. 
I lay my head on the hospital pillow as Olivia rubs my arm. She's calling me handsome and my love. I should play into this a little while I'm in here. Who knows if it'll continue once I get back home. I thought it was over between us and she's here. This woman is amazing. But wait, they really can't see this guy straight out of the 1950s Hollywood gangster film? I continue to look through the glass of the door when Remy finally notices me watching. As he does, he quickly moves out of the sight and the man follows. Remy can see them too. crazy crazy chapter as always it was a pleasure to have y'all listening to you know this peace of mind you know these things are really personal to me so anyone who's listening I, i really appreciate you for real for real don't forget to follow me on instagram and twitter at sopa underscore worldwide i'm gonna see y'all y'all the lagoon dweller is out catch y'all on the next episode of the Black Lagoon.